Shane Galadanchi. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Driver Technologies. I'm Sudhir Reddy, head of engineering at Esper, as well as the host of this show. There's a device for that. Today, I'm going to be talking to somebody who's building an app that could potentially help every one of us around. Anybody who has a driver's license could be using their app. Rashid is the CEO of Driver Technologies, an AI-based mobility tech company that delivers safer driving experiences to all their users. He co-founded it in 2018, and he was inspired to share the benefits of advanced vehicle technologies without barriers to access and to improve safety for everyone. I'm really looking forward to this discussion with Rashid. So here we go. You know, we're, we're really an AI business uh, whose mission is to make uh, roads safer and more accessible for everyone. And practical terms, what that means today is that we have uh, an app. It's in both app stores. It's called the Driver app, a very original name. Uh, and it's now the number one dash cam app in the app stores, highest reviews, most rated, it's been downloaded in 170 countries now. And from a safety mission perspective, what we do is not only record your trip, but traditional dash cam would, but we provide safety alerts around pedestrians, cyclists, motorcycles, buses, trucks. We monitor the road to try to alert you as you drive, if we see something like that in the way and that, you know, you seem like you're on the path to hitting it. And then we're also rolling out driver distraction and drowsiness alerts. So one of the things that's fun is if you mount your phone up on the dash like that, like a lot of people do anyway for navigation or what have you, you've got one camera looking out of the car and one camera looking in the car. So we can monitor the driver and try to provide alerts if we think you're distracted or falling asleep at the wrong time, which is actually the cause of most preventable car accidents as well as the road. And then we have a cloud solution called the driver cloud where you can easily store your trips and share them if you were in an accident with law enforcement or your insurance or your boss or your family or whoever. And that way you don't stack up a bunch of data in your phone when it could just be sitting in the cloud. So in some ways we're like a home security system for your driving. Uh, in some ways we're a little bit like a Fitbit for your driving. You know, you can learn how to save gas and how to be a safer driver and get feedback on your driving motion. Uh, and then in a lot of ways we're a safety tool. That's awesome. You know, I see a product like that, that is innovative out in the market and all of that. You know, of all the things that you could be doing in the world, what made you come into the device world? What made you come do something in this world? Uh, it was certainly not what I set out to do. I was always interested in technology. I had my own computer company in middle school and high school and built and sold computers in high school and thought I was going to be the next Michael Dell or something. But then I got really into understanding what business and financial services can do to improve the world. At the time, it was really within the gaze of uh, economic development. Now there's a term for it, which is impact investing. And so I started in kind of management consulting, working with technology and government and companies, found my way into a microfinance institution that uh, worked in 23 countries and provided small loans to low-income entrepreneurs all over the world. Did that for a number of years. I got really impressed by the investors that had come into that mission-oriented bank, basically. And so we ended up in a family office doing private equity and venture capital, but all with a socially positive, environmentally positive angle to it. So 
everything from solar to grass-fed beef to microfinance to technology. And then my, you know, my real heart was still in tech. And so I was lucky enough to land at a VC fund called the Social Entrepreneurs Fund, uh, based first out of Manhattan in Brooklyn, where we invested in companies that look a lot like Driver, where there was some industry gap that either wasn't serving low-income members of society or anyone except for the tippy-top of the 1%. And we felt like that there were entrepreneurs out there that were figuring it out particularly leveraging data, software, and technology, how to serve these underserved markets in ways that can actually scale like a business, but make the world a better place. And so spent about six years doing that. While I was there, I got very passionate about autonomous cars and what they could do to make the world a better place, both from like a, you know, environmental perspective and from a safety perspective. Growing up between Nigeria and the U.S., I was sort of very aware of both economic disparities as, as well as safety disparities. Most car deaths happens in emerging markets, even though most cars are not in emerging markets. And so I was very aware of that. And a story I often tell is when I was very young, my dad was in a car accident in Nigeria where a car T-boned him and people in the other vehicle died, unfortunately. And he was sure that he would have also died, except that he was in his friend's borrowed Volvo. Like he had borrowed a Volvo from a friend. He was always like, it's so crazy because who else in Nigeria even has a Volvo who can afford a Volvo? And yet this thing saved my life. So it's like this very unfair, but important thing. So when self-driving cars came along, I drank the Elon Musk Kool-Aid. And the reason I picked this problem to work on because I was so believing that in 2016, I was the guy going around telling everyone, oh, we're going to have autonomous cars. By the end of the year, no one's going to learn how to drive anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And I slowly realized that that was not true at all. That basically, this wasn't going to happen for a long time. It's going to happen in very regulated, specific kinds of ways. And the average person is not going to have access right away. In fact, it's just like, who can afford a Tesla today? So I started to think about, is there something we can do today that anyone can download, save millions of lives today, and then make a healthy business out of it so we don't need to basically get donation money to, to function. We can scale the way business goes. So long answer to your very short question, but that's what brought me to drive. I love it. Love the long answer because it, it sets so much in context about uh, for me, I'm always looking for what makes people tick and what makes people innovate. They've been thinking about these problems they want to solve forever. In your case, you've been thinking about how do I make underprivileged or not the top level of our society? How do I serve the others on there? So that's cool. Fun question time. Yeah. You said you had built computers when you were younger. What uh, was the first computer you ever used? What inspired you to build computers? A lot of the things that have inspired me in life come out of like necessity, which I think is, you know, the, the mother of invention, right? So when I was very young, my mom was working on her PhD in Nigeria and got like an Apple SE2 or something like that. I should look it up at some point. It's like one of those, it's like all in one box. And I was one of those kids who like was not allowed to have a PlayStation or a Game Boy or whatever like that. And I very quickly figured out that there are games on this thing, right? Like this is the same things happen in gaming system. But to my mom, it appeared like I was working on a computer, right? So I could get away with it. So I think that was my initial infatuation with computers. And then in middle school, I say the necessity thing, I really wanted a computer. 
and we had a family friend who was like throwing one out and they gave it to me and like, they were like, do whatever, you just, you can mess with this thing. So I was able to actually take it apart, put, play with it and put it back together. And I was like, wow, this is like, it's like Lego. It's not that hard. It's like the pieces just come out, stick them back in and then turn it on and it works. And then there was a really great teacher at my school that had like an after school computer club. And so he really opened up my eyes to the idea that you could build these things from scratch and buy pieces put them together. And then that quickly realized that you could do that for a fraction of the price of what like a Dell cost or gateway. I don't know if you remember gateway that came in like the cow boxes. Uh, they were like five grand or something for a computer. And if you went online, you could buy the parts for like $200 and build it. You know, it's quite a disparity. So that's why I started building them. And then I thought, well, I can actually sell these things, make money off them and other people want. And it started as a pretty altruistic, like almost impact company. Where I was like, we should be able to make these cheap for people. But what it turned out to do was that the people who wanted a computer built by me and not from a store actually wanted souped up computers. So I ended up building like $15,000 super machines, which was a very different situation. So yeah, it was, it was fun. It was quite, quite a nice first taste of entrepreneurship. I see what those $15,000 computers look like and what they do. I want to pick up on something you said, and I just want to shout out where a teacher did something small and inspired the CEO of a company to go build a business. So such a good point. I would not be doing any of this if I hadn't had that experience. And it was totally free, like out of the, what's the expression? Out of the goodness whatever. of their heart. Out of the goodness of his heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. So let's switch to talking about driver technology. So the product you have out there, it does the dash cam work as well as uh, all of that. So tell us about some of that innovation, next steps. Where do you want to go with the product? Where do you want to innovate? Yeah, I'm very excited because um, we just released what's called Driver Premium, which is our premium model. So you can definitely use the app for free. You can download it. Use it for free anywhere. But now you can become a subscriber and you get a whole set of kind of services and features beyond and above and beyond just video recording your trip. So you can go online to the driver cloud, see all your trips on there and have 90 days of storage. You can see the map of your trip and any events that happen, coaching type stuff. And then you can share that trip with, with anyone based on if you needed to share it with a, a boss or your insurance company. Yeah, we have roadside assistance through the app now nationwide. So really the goal is from the minute you get ready to get in your car to when you get to your destination, we've got you covered. So if you do get an accident, you just press a button. And what's really nice is right there through the app, we'll connect you with a local tow driver, over 75,000 drivers on our platform. And it'll be like less than 30 minutes. And like Uber, you can see where the driver is. You can see their name and face. So if it's like 2 a.m. and on a rainy day and someplace you're not familiar with, you have this like sense of comfort. Who's this person coming? Yep, that's all covered by your subscription price-wise. And then we also have gas discounts through a partnership with a company called Gas Buddy. So we take what, basically you download the Gas Buddy app, get that, it's already an awesome product. As it is, it basically tells you where, like within a given town, there's significant difference in gas pricing. And maybe when gas is like a dollar fifty, it doesn't matter, but when it's like $5, <laughs> it actually really matters. So they help you find the best gas stations, the best deals. They have a built-in discount already of a couple pennies per gallon, which adds up over the course of a year. And then we're like a multiplier 
on top of it. That's really just the beginning, but uh, that's kind of what's exciting to us is, you know, taking it from just being a product to being a experience that you know, can stay with you throughout your life. Right. So I love the, the moment you get in the car to when you get out of the car or your truck or whatever, you take care of them. Yeah. We're also rolling out uh, what we call background trips. So like, let's say, you know, typically our users have a mount in your car. We actually sell one, basically a cost, uh, but most people already have one. So you just get in your car, you mount up your phone, but maybe you're like making a quick run to the store and you don't feel like it. And so it just stays in your pocket. If you were to be in an accident during the trip, you could still pull up that trip and show a police officer or show your insurance company like, hey, this is how fast I was going and where I was on the map. And that like basically your story lines up with data. And that can make a huge difference in terms of getting claims settled faster, getting paid back, not being at fault when someone claims that you're at fault. That's awesome. Next thing that I was fascinated when I was looking at your website and I was reading about uh, what you do is What's the role of AI? What what do you use that for? And I know that it can be an overloaded term. Yeah, absolutely. You can think of it as really two things. One is we use AI to try to see the world using your phone. So we use something called computer vision, which is a specific you know department within the world of AI. And what computer vision does is it basically we train the, the function on millions of manually drawn bounding boxes around objects, literally millions. And it teaches the computer to understand just like we do, oh, that's a car, that's a pedestrian, that's a motorcycle, that's a stop sign. And then we give it rules about how we expect someone to interact with all those objects and also a bit of the ability to predict things. So, hey, this car is coming in at this speed and the angle is changing like this. So where will that be in a couple of seconds? compared to where we will be a couple of seconds. And then we also use computer vision on the driver to look for, are they looking forward? Are they falling asleep? What are they doing? And by combining those things in a brain that we call MADAS, which is a mobile advanced driving assistance system. You might've heard of ADAS, which is a car's advanced driving assistance system. In the MADAS brain, it's constantly thinking about all the different objects in the scene and what's going on with the driver and tries to predict if there's a, a risk. Then the second thing is that there are different types of accidents. There are accidents where even if you had a $150,000 Tesla, you're still going to get hit. That's just, you're in a situation where your speed is at a level where no, no capability is going to stop you from hitting this object. Of course, the incoming object is going to hit you. So what we really focus on are preventable accidents, coaching. And so one thing we are going to start doing this summer is looking at as opposed to like the uh, DMV's rule about tailgating and how what distance you should be from the car in front of whatever, we're looking at real data on what causes accidents and trying to coach you to say, hey, you're driving a little too close to that car, maybe back up just a little bit. So a little real-time coaching that would, be, that would be driven. That's amazing. And uh, I was talking to another guest of ours on this show, and they were talking about how they use AI to literally change wheels on a flying airplane, wow. the applications are just endless and limitless. It's so, it's so crazy and it's so cool. And I feel like one thing that we're big proponents of is how do you use AI to help a human do something better, right? which is different from this sort of more lofty goal of like replacing humans. And so that's where- This AI is going to come and take over all of the humans' jobs and world. Yeah, and exactly. Actually, this stuff is really hard and complicated enough and the thing that humans are good at 
are making tough decisions with trade-offs. So the classic, they call it the trolley car challenge, where if you take this track, you're going to hit five people. If you take this track, you're going to hit five people, but they're older or something like that. Like which path do you take? Uh, And so what we like to think is, well, the problem isn't that someone can't press their foot down to hit the brake in a car. The problem is that they don't realize that they need to. They're looking away, they're falling asleep. There's all this really scary information about, on an average, something like a quarter of all drivers micro-nap at some point every month. So over the course of a year, more than 100% of people are micro-napping at some point while driving this space. And so just being able to say, hey, pay attention here. You can press the brake if you need to. You can decide what you need to do. But at least we've eliminated the real cause of the accident, which is the, the driver's focus. I have to say, I have never micro-napped in my life. <laughs> yeah, you know, the problem is no one knows. <laughs> you don't even know when you put it. I've macro-napped a lot. <laughs> yes, that. It's not a little driving. Yeah. So when you're collecting so much data about uh, what drivers are doing, where they're going, where they've been, and what's going on outside of their environment, they could even have data about something else that the camera sees yeah. and things. Security and privacy and those concerns become super important. Yeah. So what are some of the safeguards you have in place? What do you think you can teach the listener here? Yeah, we're actually really excited about this because I think so many companies historically have leveraged people's personal information or basically sell access to them to marketing capabilities. And then, you know, there's pros and cons to that. It's easy to get bad at Facebook, but then again, we all love using it, all that stuff. For us, I think one of the exciting things early on was realizing that we really didn't have to do that. And that privacy could actually be a feature for us and a reason that you use our product over other products. And so we look at it through a whole bunch of different lenses. But first and foremost, we really are huge on transparency. So making sure if you're going to share your data with anyone, you control it. You understand what you're sharing. You know, we make it very visibly clear what kind of data is in the driver cloud trip that you might want to share with your boss or your insurance company, where we have set up fleet partnerships or insurance partnerships. It's always very clear to the driver. We always come back to the driver. It's even in the name of the app. It's very clear to the driver. Hey, this isn't some black box dongle that's like been put in my truck that I don't really understand who's tracking me where and when and why. In fact, a lot of people have pushed back against products that are branded like the insurance company or branded like the fleet owner that track you, right? And instead the idea, this is your phone, this is, you know, or your company phone, it's your app, you're the one driving, here's exactly what you're sharing with your boss or here's exactly what you're sharing with your insurance. The final piece is we're working aggressively to be able to use simulation to recreate accidents to the different scenes so that if we want to study that accident and make our safety better if we have partners that want to study accidents whether that's like car companies or insurers or cities or whatever that they don't actually get access to your trip they get access to a computerized simulation you know cartoon version of what happened in that moment that's interesting and can you know can save lives but they don't actually get any of your personal data and then the last thing i'll say is that we're very careful and cautious, and actually a lot of our partners use us because of this, around personal data. You don't need to give us your name, phone number, social. We're not interested in that, right? We're not here to market to you about who you are. We're just interested in your driving capabilities. And so that makes us a lot less interesting from like a hacking 
perspective because you're not going to get a lot of interesting stuff from us. But we still have to do a lot to like build up our security setup. We actually have a great security team uh, on board already. And I love, um, I don't know if you've come across DuckDuckGo, uh-huh. but they're I like, they're all, I always tell the team, let's be the DuckDuckGo of driving behavior, driving information. So, you know, people want to use us because they want to control their data. Yeah, I use DuckDuckGo and for several of my home networks and yeah, things. Totally. There's an innovation that really. Yeah, they're such an awesome team. And I love, uh, we work with this kind of data privacy and related uh, or nonprofit organization that's kind of trying to get tech companies to be more serious about this. And one of the great points they make is, you know, one of the risks of a startup is you get acquired by somebody, which would be a great outcome for, for the team. And then they change what you do. Right. change your mission and change how you might manage private information and things like that. And they're saying one of the best things that DuckDuckGo is doing is that they're building privacy into the point of using the product. And so if someone were to acquire DuckDuckGo, it's a lot harder for them to suddenly not make it about privacy because that's the whole reason all the users are there. They're going to leave. And so I think we have that same opportunity to, to create systems where even our own employees can't spy on what you're doing just because you've uploaded some video to the cloud. And that's, right. that's why you're using it. If someone acquires us and changes that, it'll be best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I understand you're doing a lot of work with the insurance companies and integrating with them and or helping your drivers work with insurance companies. Tell us a little bit more about that and what, what your thoughts are there. Yeah. So I think right off the bat, we just felt like if someone uses this product, just like if they have anti-lock brakes or a car security system or, you know, seat belts, right? You should get an insurance discount. So that's kind of where we started with our insurance companies. Obviously, if you're in an accident, the insurance company will be very interested if you're able to prove that it wasn't your fault. So there's just like, right off the bat, you should already have a relationship with your insurance company about our product, just just because they'll be very interested. But in terms of us actually formally doing things, that was kind of our starting point. And then the other thing that's happening is that there are lots of people who don't want to have a product from their insurance company in the vehicle 24-7, monitoring where they are and reporting that info back to the insurance company. But if we could give a score or we could give some general behavior information and the insurance company would give you a discount in exchange for that, you might be super interested or somewhere on that spectrum. Maybe they know what state you're in at night so that you're not like playing a game of having your car in Hawaii, but saying that you're in New Hampshire, but they don't need to know your location all the time or whatever. So we, we could play that kind of middleman role in, in a lot of ways, like a credit score could, if it was a more consumer friendly product, but instead it's not, we want to be that kind of consumer friendly product. So Rashid. Being an innovator in the industry and having invented something new that you put out to the market and constantly innovating on that, what are your thoughts on where innovation is going to take us a little bit beyond our immediate horizon, right? In the next two, three, four years, maybe. Two things. One, I am excited about the kind of IoT revolution, even though it's so different kind of from how we approach things at Driver. I, I do like the idea that I set up my garden hose situation in the back with a Wi-Fi thing that splits into four different water paths. And like, I think historically it would cost $10,000 to build like a sprinkler system in a yard. And for 150, I was able to use this device thing and a bunch of hoses and some $20 sprinklers and build like a sprinkler system. 
So that's pretty, and it's all Wi-Fi, and you can even control it if you leave the house and you're the office. You could do it over cellular. Same with like my home security system. You know, as I put that together personally instead of paying somebody, it's just incredible. So I feel like that's a really exciting direction. On the flip side, at Driver, we keep coming back to this thing of well, we all already have a twelve hundred dollar supercomputer in our pockets that we're walking around with. It's just very exciting to think about as things like. For example, our, our whole company is based on this event that happened of AI coming to the edge. Right? It used to be like five years ago, if you wanted to do computer vision stuff, you could take a video or a picture, upload it to the cloud, work on it on a supercomputer, push the information back down. But you can't do that in real time. And so I think just that the continuing improvements from Android and a- Apple. Yeah, my entire house I've automated. Everything from you walk in the door, the lights go on, to you walk out the door, the lights awesome. go off. and Yeah. And you didn't pay some consulting firm like 50 No, you're kidding me. It was my pet you know? project. It Incredible. took me a few weekends, but it was so much fun to, to build up and do. Love it. Rashid, this has been amazing. I've learned so much about a world that I kind of knew about, don't, but didn't necessarily dive a whole lot into. Sure. But the listener here... I'm sure is fascinated by that world and what we can do. And I'm sure they're going and down- downloading your right now. But uh, if they want to learn more about driver technologies, where would they go? Yeah, absolutely. Either go to drivertechnologies.com, sorry, my page, or if you go to the app store, you can just search for driver dash cam. I'm going to do that today. I'm going to be a subscriber. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, give it a try. You know, I always say our, our best users are people who are just in the car accident because they are always pissed off wish they had a record of what happened come to us and get them out and really be using the app and of course they probably won't be in another accident for five years or something you know hopefully never and so uh, you know my ask is always like just try it now <laughs> just give it a try uh try using it now and you know, hopefully it'll be running when god forbid something that's happened. That was a fun listen to you, and I hope you got to understand some of the innovation that's happening inside of the car, not just in the autonomous car, but any car that you have, you can have innovations in there with the help of devices. This is There's a Device for That, and you can get a new episode every Tuesday. Please be sure to subscribe. There's a Device for That is brought to you by Esper the industry's first and leading DevOps platform for device fleets. If you're interested in learning more about how Esper can help you better manage your device fleet, reach out. Go to esper.io or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at esperdev, at E-S-P-E-R-D-E-V. Thank you for listening. I'll see you on the next episode of There's a Device for That.